1: Backcountry.com is an online outdoor gear and apparel retailer carrying thousands of brands and products for mountain biking and your everyday outdoor lifestyle. Not only does Backcountry have the widest assortment of gear and apparel, but the heart and soul of the company lies with their Backcountry gearheads. These gearheads are former pro athletes, Olympians, and all-around experts that are available 24-7 by phone, email, and chat for one-on-one service, product recommendations, and to ensure you have everything you need for your next outdoor adventure. For the entire month of August, Backcountry is running their semi-annual sale, which only happens twice a year. Take advantage of the final days of summer and save up to 50% on huge brands like Patagonia, The North Face, Arcteryx, and more. Go to www.backcountry.com slash singletracks and use the code singletracks15 to get 15% off your first purchase. Some exclusions apply. That's backcountry.com check the show notes for the link and coupon code. Hey everybody, welcome to the Singletracks podcast. My name is Jeff and today Matt and Jero and I are going to be sort of giving some insight into the review process that we use whenever we're evaluating a new piece of gear or a mountain bike. Um, If you tuned in a few weeks ago, we talked about a number of bikes that we had recently tested or were in the process of testing, and so we thought we'd give a little more context around sort of how that testing works, why we do it, um, and how that can be useful to other folks. So let's start off by talking about sort of who we're thinking about while we're reviewing stuff. Matt, do you have sort of an audience in mind when you're testing a product or Drafting a review?
0: Um, yeah. I mean, I think for our own audience, we're keeping a lot of, I don't know, just general trail riders in mind and yeah, new product that might be of interest to, to anybody, to most mountain bikers.
1: Yeah. What, how would you describe your own personal riding style and does that influence how you test a product and ultimately what your review looks like?
0: My own riding style, I would say, I mean, 90% of the time just going out and riding trails. So like everybody else after work, I'd race every now and then, but I'd say like, yeah, my own personal riding style is just, I'm a, I'm a trail rider, like most everybody else out there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what works for, for, you know, general trail or trail riding applications.
1: Yeah. What about you, Juro? You do a little bit more enduro, I guess. Is that how you would describe your riding style?
2: Uh, yeah, I guess so. Ride up a, ride up a dirt road and ride as fast as you can, but down the trail, I started out racing cross-country, though, and I still I really love bikes that climb well, and that's definitely something I pay attention to when I'm checking out a new bike and kind of thinking, like, who is it for and what are the folks that might buy this bike going to want to know about it? Like, I definitely still pay a lot of attention to how it sprints, how it climbs on technical trails and stuff like that. But yeah, we do a lot of just climb up the dirt road and fly back down. So I guess you would call that enduro.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I, I would say I'm I'm similar to probably closer to Matt, and and maybe maybe even closer to the cross country side of things. You know, I, I enjoy pedaling my bike, and uh, but I also like going downhill. So I guess that's trail riding, and you know, obviously that's going to influence sort of what I'm evaluating on bikes, the types of bikes even that I'm going to be testing out. But yeah, I also like to just sort of think about. If I'm testing a product, like who is this product for? You know, is it for beginner writers? Is it for more experienced folks? Um, and then sort of tailoring the evaluation to that. You know, there are, we have a really broad audience on single tracks, honestly. And so, depending on the product, I think I'll, I'll sort of tailor my review to that audience. But more generally, people are coming to a site like single tracks to uh, make product purchase decisions. So they're thinking about buying a bike, you know, or they're in the market for a certain type of bike or a product like a helmet or whatever the case may be. And so I try to think about that. Like if I were buying a product in this category, like what would I want to know about it and how would I want to see that evaluation presented in terms of like comparing it to other things or yeah, just kind of looking at the value. I mean, there's there's so much that goes into it. And I mean, really, that's what we're going to talk about here today. So, Matt, do you have sort of an overarching product review philosophy? What are some of the things you try to like think about or, or incorporate into your reviews whenever you're doing that?
0: Yeah, I think the bottom line for me is just uh, boiled down. We should basically give the buyer enough information for them to make a decision on whether it's worth buying or not. So... You know, like I've always kind of had a tough time calling gear reviews journalism, but in the end, it's like <laughs> journalists are are there to be sort of this filter between, you know, in Washington, it could be between politicians and the public. Mm-hmm. For us, it's between brands and consumers or the public. So we're basically just giving consumers like the most honest look that we can on a product's performance to tell them whether it's worth buying or not.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. What about you, Jarrome? What do you kinda keep in your mind when you're when you're sitting down to
2: write a review well i would I would definitely echo what Matt said and then maybe add just um thinking about like is it does the product do what it says it's supposed to do does it align with sort of its intentions so if, say if it's like a gravity break does it does it actually you know slow you down when you're writing like super steep, uh, gravity trails, or is it underpowered, different things like that. And I also think about sometimes we get to review things that are like quite expensive and, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of think through like, is this thing worth the extra money? Is it, is there added value over another component or is it like just, is, is that, is that, additional costs just in marketing and pretty colors or something. So kind of trying to determine like where the value is at.
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the things that is hard for me sometimes is to separate out like my own personal feelings about a particular item. I mean, you mentioned expensive gear and you know, it's like, it's like I have a certain budget when I'm buying a helmet or a bike but I know that not all of our readers have that same budget. And so it's like, on the one hand, you, you want to like separate yourself out and say, like, okay, l- let me generalize this a bit more. Um, but on the other hand, it, it's a review. And it is, at the end of the day, it's your opinion about a particular product. And so, yeah, I, I think that's interesting too, Matt, the way you described it in terms of what is a journalist's role. And yeah, I think it is... That's you hit it spot on. And part of reviews for me, too, is not it's not just like an evaluation. Like, is this thing good or bad? You know, I like to spend a lot of time just explaining the thing and saying, like, here's what it has. Right. I mean, that there are facts in reviews. You know, they're not just opinions. There are things where we can say, look, this is how this thing is put together. Um, these are the types of materials that are used. Here's sort of the the development that went into this. So I think there there is a lot more, you know, if, if you're someone who's looking at it from the outside, you might think, well, this is just somebody's opinion about a thing. You know, that's part of it, but that's that's definitely not the whole thing, at least in my opinion. And, you know, one of the things that I think about too sometimes, you know, I get a little self-conscious when I'm testing a product and I think like, oh man, you know, there, there are riders who are much better than me. I mean, especially if you look at professional athletes and you're like, wow, like, this is a professional athlete is somebody who could really put this product to the test and, and tell you, you know, is it good or bad sort of thing. But I think one of the advantages that we have as product reviewers, as journalists is that, you know, we do, our job is to test a lot of different bikes and a lot of different gear. And, you know, we're not just riding like our sponsors, bikes and gear all the time. Like our job is to go out and every week, try a different bike. So I think that's, that's some of the value that we bring to product reviews um, in terms of like the breadth of experience that we get sort of testing a lot of different bikes.
2: Yeah, totally. That comparative analysis is pretty important and helpful. I mean, one of the I think one of the most frequent questions I get on reviews is people asking, so how does it compare to X? Like if it's a tire, how does it compare to a Minion DHF? Uh, you know, folks want to know, like, how does this stack up against something that I have used? Mm-hmm. And so I would say, like, in terms of a general philosophy, I use something that you mentioned once, Jeff, like at the end of the review period or once the thing is worn out in the case of a tire.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I ask myself, like, if I was going to buy this, what are all the questions I would possibly have? What are all the things I could compare it to? And I, and in order for the review to be complete, I need to have answered all of those questions. Yeah. At least all the ones I can think of, you know.
1: Yeah, that's that's a great point. And, right, you know, that, that kind of answers the question people ask me sometimes, um, especially when, when they're sending a sample for us to test. They'll, they'll want to know, like, how long do you test something for? And, you know, years ago, I think we kind of were like, okay, we're going to test things a minimum of three months or whatever, if it's a bike or, or whatever. But, you know, that for me, it's kind of evolved into, well, like, let's ride this thing or let's use this thing until we don't have any more questions. And sometimes it's, that's really quick, you know, immediately you can find faults in something or, or maybe you're just like, wow, this is perfect. Like i I really don't have any questions. It does what it says it does, and, you know, that's the test. And one other thing that I think we should mention, too, is that reviews are not, like, the be-all, end-all. Like, we are are not experts. We're not perfect. We're not able to even communicate exactly, like, what you should buy or what you shouldn't buy. Test rides, and in the case of a bike in particular, you know, it would be – it's not wise to buy a bike without having ridden it yourself. I'll, I'll say it that way. Um, I know lots of people do, and it works out a lot of times. But if you really want to be confident that you're gonna like a bike, I don't think you can get that just from reading reviews. You know, even if you read reviews on multiple sites. You know, you read our review, you read it on another site. I still don't think you can you can know for sure if something's going to be a good fit for you. Uh, but I do think reviews can narrow down the field for you. And sort of confirm your own assessment as well. Once you test ride a few bikes and you go back and read the reviews and you say, huh, yeah, I noticed that too. Like, it wasn't just me. It wasn't just the bike. Like, that's, you know, an actual thing about that bike. And so, yeah, I think, I think it's just a part of the process for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think 95% of people wouldn't buy a car without having driven it <laughs> yeah. first, right, yeah. for like a test drive. And yeah, like, I think the buying process is like, I just bought a new car or a new used car, new to me, uh, like a week and a half ago. And it you know, I went and looked at it, test drove it, watched YouTube reviews, but kind of the difference is like when we're reviewing a product, like we're taking a look at the performance. So I watched like YouTube reviews of this car that I was looking at and, you know, they can kind of tell you, okay, how does the, is the dashboard ergonomic? Does it, is it comfortable to drive? Like, how does it corner? Mm-hmm. But then you can go and get buried in forums of, like, these people's long-term experience with the vehicle or bike and read, like, how reliable is it? You know, how are you going to have problems with it three years from now once it hits, you know, a certain mileage? So I think it's kind of the same dilemma we face with bike products is that, you know, most of the time we're not spending two years um, riding with a certain product on our bike. And, like, I just started kind of having this same issue with some brakes that I had had reviewed in the past, and I rode those for months before actually putting the review on them. But now a year and a half later, and now I'm starting to have problems with the levers and stuff. So it's just that that product performance review versus the long term experience of the product that I think is is hard to speak to, right? Like we, I, I've had like a dozen ceram guides on review bikes, and they've all worked well when I've ridden it for two or three months. But I've also had ceram guides on my uh, personal bike for. A year or two at a time, and you can read countless forums on the problems that products like that have. So,
1: yeah, I mean that's that's something people need to definitely be aware of when they're reading these reviews. Is that that is a limitation that we all face, that all product reviewers face? You know, we can't, we purposely do not comment on durability, uh, long term durability specifically um, just because we don't have time I mean by the time we write a review after having a thing for two years like there's already a new one out so yeah so when you're reading these reviews and you know there's no mention of like oh does this thing last a long time that's because we don't know like (laughs) we really can't tell you that and so yeah you gotta I guess take take that risk or or wait you know don't be an early adopter um, in that case. So, Jarod, what are some of the things that you look for in a bike review? What's sort of your outline
2: or your process? Apart from everything, <laughs> I think I'm particularly picky about the component spec. A lot of brands are building frames with amazing geometry, and that seems to be something that's almost hard to critique sometimes because it's it's pretty on point with most bikes these days. Uh, the suspension is like it's awesome and. You know, part of that's due to the different suspension companies really stepping up their game, but a proper set of tires that matches the intention of the frame and the capability of the bike and proper set of brakes, you know, those are two places where a lot of companies will save some money and especially they'll put on lighter tires to maybe make the bike weigh a little bit less, Mm -hmm. you know, when you pick it up at the shop and that. Can be fine for some folks who are going to ride on trails that those tires work for, but I've ridden a lot of gravity bikes that came with Maxxis e- EXO casings, and those those things just don't hold up to rocks. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right? I don't I don't weigh that much, and I can't keep airing those tires, so yeah, yeah. There's just things like that. I mean, sometimes like the Jeff C base that I tested came with a brake set that was entirely inferior. I'm actually writing an article about it right now. <laughs> I just keep thinking about those brakes and how how important a good set of brakes are when you really wanna push your limits. Not not that you have to be the fastest rider in the world or faster than anybody, but when you wanna push your limit, having the confidence that you can scrub speed is so important and having proper tires to deal with that and that those build specs are just they're really they're really key. I think yeah maybe over everything.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a interesting it's an interesting one because you know the thing that makes a bike unique is you know it's really just the frame. I mean everybody is using tires from one of three companies, everybody's using suspension from one of two companies, uh drivetrain same thing. But at the same time it is it is important. I mean it really speaks to the designers and and the brand itself you know, sort of intentions and like, you know, are these real riders? (laughs) Like that's, that's one of the things I get a take away from it sometimes too. When I look at a component spec and I, I go, huh, like these grips are really terrible. Like, did anybody (laughs) actually, you know, try these out or like, does, does somebody think that these are good grips? Like I, I, it makes me question other parts of the, the bike and the overall experience. Um, but at the same time, it's not the bike, you know, it's not, the unique thing that the brand is, is making, but it is something they're choosing.
2: Yeah. And I, so I think part of the reason why I focus on components when I'm doing a bike, uh, a full bike review, I I try to parse the review and talk about the frame first, because it's essentially a frame review, like you're saying, Mm -hmm. and then talk about the components separately and then talk about the ride feel, the quality of the way the bike actually works all put together as a package yeah is I really would prefer almost always to just buy a frame and put parts I like on it mm-hmm. and make those decisions myself. and so when if I'm gonna buy a bike which I have, where somebody else made those decisions, then those decisions better be made well,
1: yeah, and there are choices too a lot of times. I mean, there's many builds to choose from uh, with different brands, and so it is worth mentioning specifically the one that you're testing and giving people an idea of what other options are available.
0: Yeah. And who wants to spend like four grand on a bike and then have to replace the tires and (laughs) upgrade the brakes and stuff. And I mean, a good set of tires, if they put EXO on it's 150 bucks for another set of tires.
1: Yeah. But it should be, it's worth mentioning too, that you're almost always going to spend a lot less by buying a complete bike than a frame and building it up yourself. And I'm reminded of that all the time when I put together even a review frame where it's like, okay, I got a frame and I I got pretty much everything I need, all the big stuff. And then I go to put it together and I'm like, oh geez, I got to buy like a $70 headset and I got to buy, you know, 25 bucks worth of cables. And (laughs) it starts, starts adding up and you're like, wow, all that stuff came with the bike and I ended up spending more on a frame and a build than if I had bought just sort of the base model.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think it's always worth taking a look at the frame price when you buy a bike and considering the difference between the bike, the full build and the frame. Um, but yeah, like you're saying, it's usually a pretty small margin or much smaller than what you would spend.
1: What else? Are there other things that you guys look for in a bike review or other things you're looking at when you evaluate a bike?
0: I think the geometry definitely, because it can be so much like it can feel so much different than it looks on paper, especially with things like head tube angles or C tube angles, to where you get a bike and it's like, oh God, it's 74 degree C tube angle. Like, I don't want to ride this. And then you're on it and it's like, oh, actually, it's not that bad. Like, the reach and the head tube angle makes it work for whatever reason. And so I I, like, I think the trends uh, trends obviously push how brands design their geometry, right? Like when you go and you buy a 2020 bike, like you want to make sure that that geometry looks like it's from 2020. (laughs) Um, But brands have their own decisions to make a bike, a certain geometry based on the way it rides. You know, they spend a year, two years developing it and so Yeah, I mean, that's why you you test ride it. You take it for a demo because sometimes the geometry is not always going to speak to the way it actually feels or rides.
1: Yeah. I think we mentioned that in the last one too about, um, I think, yeah, maybe I said it, that one of the bikes that I tested recently, you know, on paper it looked great. And then when I rode it, it felt weird. And then another bike with pretty much identical numbers uh, felt great. So, yeah. The, the geometry it is important it is helpful it's a good starting point then yeah the review process is important just like it's important for people to test ride bikes before they buy them and, and not just go based on geometry charts or the reviews uh, that folks like us write and then what about what about like unique features you know what are there things that make bikes stand out for you guys um, that maybe, or not, you know, just just the component spec or the geometry, uh, little little bells and whistles that frame companies include.
2: Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the Trek that I'm testing right now has, it's like just covered in cool little thoughtful things that no other brand is doing. Mm-hmm. It's got this knock block thing that's almost works like a downhill bike where you can't turn the handlebars past a certain point. Mm-hmm. So like if you lean the bike up against something, it won't fall over as easily for one. <laughs> and also when you crash, if you have your brake levers turned down pretty low or your bars pretty low, you won't your brake levers and shifter won't hit the top tube and break it. Yeah. There's also like a stash thing inside the down tube that's pretty sweet. You could fit a decent amount of gear in there, maybe a small jacket. So that's a pretty pretty cool feature. There's I mean I feel like that bike is probably got the the most little techie nooks and crannies of anyone that I've tested so far. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's cool to to see those details and things that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily get from looking at a company's website or reading a press release, you know, just those, those details and little touches that they put. Uh, yeah, that's, I always enjoy finding those as well and sharing them.
0: Yeah. And seeing if they work or not. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good right. call, Matt <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes it's like you know they'll put things on like that, and and then it's like, oh, this is this is a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, totally.
2: Right. Like could be gimmicky. one common one is like, can you actually fit a water bottle in here, or do you have to like cut the water bottle cage up and you know move the mounts and all this weird stuff? Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. That like I think of like. F- flip chips and adjustable geometry to where I think it makes the consumer feel more comfortable that they're getting more bike than what they're paying for, right? Like you can change the geometry based to your personal feel, but like a lot of times it, it, the bike is designed around one geometry setting and then it just feels awkward in other settings, at least in a lot of the ones that I've ridden, So yeah, things like that. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What about reviews for other things beyond bikes? So say we're talking tires or dropper posts or other components. How, how is that different from a bike review or is it similar?
0: Say it's pretty similar, right? I mean, kind of like Jero's talking about, you're looking, what is this intended for? It's a gravity tire. Mm-hmm. Does it work for gravity? Like I know Jero and I both tested uh, some tires from, from Pirelli and both of them, you know, all, all the tires basically say they're applicable to any discipline, but I think both him and I found that they're a little bit more cross-country oriented than than what they seem to be marketed towards. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah does it does it really match all its branded intentions and in, in marketing copy?
1: Yeah, I mean that's one of the things that I think, especially for like new product reviewers uh, that we work with, that, that can be hard to get past sort of looking at at what uh, evaluating a product based on what it's intended for so if a company says you know this is a cross-country tire then you should be riding it on cross-country trails or or if this is a you know ginormous hydration pack for carrying like camera gear and all your stuff like well, we need to evaluate it for what it is, and not say, "Well, it's it's heavy. I I like fanny packs better." Like that doesn't really <laughs> doesn't really help,
2: right? Yeah.
1: So, like, yeah, keeping in mind the intended use of a product because it's it's not fair to evaluate something based purely on your own preferences. Um, we have to keep in mind what the thing is designed to do and and who it's designed for. Um, and I think components are, to me, they're different. Because it makes, they're, they're easier to compare to other products. So like a lot of times, say it's a dropper post, like I'm going to be pulling the current dropper post off my bike and I'm going to be putting a new one on. And so pretty quickly, almost immediately, I can compare it to the one that I had. You know, like, oh, this one feels lighter, or it, it's quicker, or, you know, I like having, you know, some extra drop on it. Um, and so... To me, those are a little different. It's hard to do that between bikes. Um, Bikes, I feel like it takes a little more time to get used to, like, a completely new bike. And and you're changing so many things at once, you know. Um, This is more, I I don't want to say scientific, but if you were a scientist and you were testing something, you know, you want to make, like... Just change one thing, you know, like everything on the bike is the same, except I got a new dropper post and and let me see how that changes the experience and like sort of how I can evaluate that on its own.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good point that like just there's too many variables to compare one bike to, I don't know, properly compare one bike to a bunch of other bikes. Like you can, you can compare certain pieces, but yeah, it gets better. It's pretty difficult whereas a pair of brakes you can talk about how the modulation compares and how the power feel compares mm-hmm. we, we don't yeah. have a lab but uh <laughs> um, and then things like tires a little bit brakes well yeah tires and brakes and dropper posts we can look a little bit at how they wear over time because a lot of those things we're not necessarily like on a time crunch to test them So if I have three months of riding a dropper post, I can note whether it has a bunch of wiggle in it and the pins have worn a bunch um, at the end of three months. And is it returning the same and with brakes and dropper posts and other components like that and suspension as well? We can also test it to the point where it needs to be cleaned out and things need to be relubed, seals need to be changed, and we can talk about how that process goes. So when we get a chance to do that, that's kind of a cool element to add to a review. Like what's what's it gonna take for somebody to bleed this break? Is it just as easy as their usual SRAM or Shimano, or is it a little trickier? Is there something different about it? So that can be helpful.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's super, super good when we can do that because, like you said, it is important to people when they're making their purchase decisions. What about clothing and protection gear? A lot of that stuff is is kind of more personal, right, like in terms of the fit and comfort. You guys have any tips that you use or things you keep in mind, particularly for clothing? Matt, how about you?
0: Yeah, I would say a lot of it comes down to preference. What kind of fit you like? Um, what kind of clothing brands attract you? Because, it, I mean, a lot of that's based on, you know, how do you want to identify yourself on the trail? Like, do you want to look like um, like a pro enduro rider? Do you want to look like uh, an XC rider? You know, do you want this, like, edgy race look or just kind of like a subtle trail look? But, yeah, like, I, I think as you... Unfortunately, I mean, it's just you, you get what you pay for. So as you're paying more for clothing, generally the fit is better. I and mean, it's just the way it is. It's like how brands manufacture their clothing. And you had a good uh, podcast with,
1: I forget his name. Yeah, Ryan.
0: Yeah, from Pactimo. Yeah. And he spoke a lot about that, right? I mean, it's just the difference between manufacturing at scale, a, a ton of stuff at once that you can kind of bang out and make a bunch of versus paying attention to... Uh, the clothing a little bit more closely Mm -hmm. but yeah like we can talk about fabric breathability and and wear and how it holds up over time the way that features features are designed on um, like a pair of shorts like i've learned that i like external velcro adjustments uh, a lot more than internal ones it's like Mm -hmm. you got to get inside your belt line and fiddle and work around your <laughs> underwear and like try Honk to like, adjust it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why not just put all these straps on the outside? It makes everyone's life so much easier, but yeah. Right. And then just durability. Yeah. I, the more I review clothing, the more I realize there's a lot more to it than I, I first would have thought. So mm.
1: yeah, the, for me, I, I've had to over the years dial back my product reviews when I'm doing uh, clothing. Cause I, I mean, I could write 2000 words easily on a pair of shorts, um, just cause there's like a lot going on, but I, I know readers yeah. don't care. Right. I mean, most of us, we don't <laughs> care. Like we just yeah. like, Oh, those look good. They have them in my size. Like I'm sure they'll be fine. And, and they are, but there is also a lot of interesting decisions and in technology that goes into a good piece of mountain bike clothing. So, yeah, there's that. And then when we're talking about, like, protective gear, Jero, like, helmets or pads, what do you look for? I mean, obviously, you're not going to go out and, like, crash test something. (laughs) So so how do you evaluate it? (laughs) Not on purpose. (laughs) Occasionally.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I know, I try not to, but. So, I mean, you guys nailed all the points, I would say. The only thing I would add... Uh, maybe with protection gear, but also kind of across the board, and especially for helmets, is fit. Like, does this thing fit in the size that they say it is? So I actually, like, do the measurements, and I would imagine most people do, and, you know, 60% of the time they're correct. Maybe a little (laughs) better than that. But I also kind of often get a pair of review a pair of shorts or a helmet or something to review that doesn't fit at all like it's supposed to like the sizing on the label is the same and so I just want to make sure people know that too like oh you know these pants say that they're a 32 I wear a 30 they fit me you know those those kind of things like um so that folks don't end up having to send product back when they do order it and then yeah yeah, with helmets um obviously breathability, like, you know, just being able to, being able to cool off. Is there space to fit a hat underneath or, you know, a beanie or something, uh, in the winter time or, or, um, is it, how easy is it to get on and off? Like are the, if it's a full face, are the cheek pads for lack of a better word removable? So if you have to keep it on in a race, you can take them out while you climb at least little features like that, that can be really helpful if you're looking for a specific a helmet for a specific reason
1: yeah yeah that's good so we kind of touched on this earlier but how do you guys know when a product test is complete Matt what's your threshold or your you know thing that you know when it's done
0: for me yeah I think it's like knowing that it's absolutely performing at its potential in this you know for bike reviews I think so much of it has to do with suspension setup so do you know that the suspension is set up 100 percent correctly to your riding style and to the bike's capability
1: mm-hmm.
0: because i i'm a lot of readers like they know the reputation that components have like they know what a good and a bad wheel set is to have on an oem equipped bike they know you know they can take a look at the geo and realize like okay that looks like reasonable geometry for this bike mm-hmm. but if you've got a bike and you know that the suspension is 100% dialed to your weight, your setup, your riding style, and then maybe you're still having issues with it, then you can call it out for what it is. And if it's working marvelously, then you can say that as well. So, yeah, I mean, I think just knowing the product inside and out and knowing that it is set up absolutely correctly to you and your riding style... And then getting a feel for the, uh, the gear when it is.
1: Yeah.
2: What about you, Drew? I think Matt's pretty much nailed all the, all the answers there. I think just, yeah, not having, not having any questions left, just feeling like I've got a really good idea who the product is for and how it fulfills its, you know, stated purposes. And then, you know, with, with some things it's, pretty rare but occasionally we test things until they're done Mm -hmm. tires are kind of the main example i try to if i have a set of tires that i'm testing i try to wait until i would replace the rear tire or at least rotate the front tire to the back and buy a new front then it's probably time to review
1: yeah uh, a couple of the the notes that we had jotted down are um you know, if a, if an item breaks, I mean, a lot of times that's kind of the end of the review. Though though it's not it, it always, it's not always the case. I mean, you know, when a product does break, we will usually contact the brand or, or the PR person who sent us the item and let them know that it broke and what the conditions were. And a lot of times the answer is going to be, oh, that was a production sample. We need to send you another one. And, you know, you hear that enough times and it's like, I mean, I'm sure there are production issues and samples are not the same quality as the final, but we've heard it a lot of times. So we're still skeptical, um, even when we do hear that. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of times the thing is broken and they're not sending a replacement and, you know, that's the end of it. And, um, and we do, we do write that. We write that the product failed and share the conditions. And then also I want to mention too, with like, I tend to review some weird products. Sometimes I say yes to <laughs> products from people that are like, "Hey, we got this uh, this weird uh, stem that has an integrated speedometer and lasers and you know headlight." And I'm like, "Cool, that sounds right up my alley." So, so with those kinds of products, for me, it's all about like just getting an idea of like what the heck is this thing and like why would somebody even want it. Um, let alone like the quality of it. I mean, because you're not comparing it to anything. Like it's one of a kind. There's only one of these crazy smart stems on the market. And so um, for me, it's not about you know is this a good smart stem. It's like what what is a smart stem. And once I know that, then I kind of feel like I'm I'm ready to write up the review. A smart stem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that one, by the way, did not. I don't think it went well. You know, in the end, the company. I wrote up an honest assessment of it. And and that one, too, um, it was clear that it wasn't very well suited to mountain biking. And so, again, like I kept that in mind throughout the testing. Like, look, you know, I I can't knock them for that. Like, this is not a mountain bike stem specifically. I mean, I wanted to try it and see if it could work with a mountain bike, but I'm not going to knock them because it doesn't, right, that's not their intention of that that product anyway, they're not making that claim, but in the end, yeah they they kind of got back to me and were like, "Yeah, like we appreciate your feedback, like you know, I don't turns out we're probably not going to sell this thing at all <laughs> anyway, so oh wow, whoops, <sighs> but we still published the review, so it was, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully so, and yeah, I mean, we've got a product in right now—a tire that basically has like tread that you can replace. You can like swap the tread out for different like tread patterns. If you're gonna hit dirt roads, you can put on like a knobbier tire, and if you're gonna be on the street, you have slicks, and and it all attaches with zippers. So like, yeah, sounds crazy. And like, I have no idea how this even is supposed to work or, or what it's about. So we agreed to review it and our product reviewer ran into problems with it. And so a lot of times there are, there's a lot of back and forth with this, with trying to figure out, like, is it the problem? Is it us? Like, are we not using it for what it's intended for? Uh, or is the product itself actually defective and, you know? We get more samples, and so sometimes it can be a it can be a really involved process. But we do try to do our best to make sure we don't have any questions, we don't have any reservations about what we're going to say about it. And and also, I try to be very careful about what I do say. So, you know, I'm only going to put something in the review if I can back it up. And you know, if there's something I'm like, huh, yeah, this seems kind of flimsy. Well, like that that's just speculation, right? Like I'm, I'm not gonna write that or, or this seems really sturdy. Like that's, you know, if I don't know for sure, I'm not going to put it in there. So, so are there questions that you guys have found you can't answer in a review? Jiro? do you have any things like that, that that you just don't even try to address?
2: Yeah, definitely. There's, it comes up a fair bit with suspension. Like if I'm testing a fork, I don't know how this fork is going to work out For somebody who's a lot lighter than me, um, the damping, you know, just might be way too harsh, or it might be you might be able to set it up so that it works great for somebody lighter. And I can I can ask the company, but that isn't necessarily (laughs) right. You know, that's no better than just reading the marketing material. Sometimes it it depends. And then equally for somebody that's a lot heavier than me, or who rides faster or harder, or just completely differently. Uh, I try to push products as hard as I can, but I'm not the fastest or hardest riding person in the world. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a limitation and yeah, so I can, I can really say like, this is how this product worked for me and this is how I ride. So to give a context of what that means, but that's, that's the limitation.
1: Yeah. What about you matter? Are, are there things that you've don't you avoid addressing in a review just because you can't really speak to it?
0: I mean, definitely the longevity, which we kind of spoke about. I mean, I feel like a lot of that we can, we can speculate on based on a brand's reputation. You know, I mean, do they have a history of, of producing components that are very, very reliable? Like then it's a pretty good guess that this will hold up similarly. If, like the design isn't radically different than it was before, Mm -hmm. but right. You can't like, we can't just say, Oh, like these, this redesigned shock will last forever without the proper service because in the past they have as well. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think like longevity is the the toughest one to speak to.
1: Yeah. For, for me, um, we kind of talked about this and when we are talking about clothing, uh, but also like saddles and grips are kind of personal, feel items for people, you know, saddles, especially, I mean, there's, there's some science behind it, um, in terms of like your sit bones, like where those are and and the type of saddle that's going to fit best. But our readers, most of our readers don't know their sit bone measurements. And so, you know, I want to make sure that somebody reading a saddle review understands look, you know, I'm telling you how it felt for me, uh, but that's, that's not how it's going to feel for you in, in most cases. And so, yeah, I try to be upfront about the things I'm not answering with the review or try to really, um, qualify what I am saying about an item. And, you know, we've done, we've tried to do some pieces where we talk about like, how do you choose a mountain bike saddle? And, you know, so we'll talk in really general terms about like, Oh, well, you need to know your sit bone measurements. And this is, you know, what a wider saddle does. This is what a longer saddle does. Um, these are the materials that are used and things like that, um, just to help people make that decision. Um, but inevitably the, the comments are all like, which one should I buy? <laughs> and it's like, I, we can't answer that. You know, that's, that's why we're, we're trying to at least give you the tools to, to figure that out on your own. Um, but you know, we can't review that. And I've got, you know, I've actually got like a couple of saddles in right now, um, that, you know, I, I was very upfront with the, the brands that sent them saying, look, you know, I, I don't know that I'm going to review this per se, right? Like, it, I don't know that that's helpful for people. Um, they may they may think it's helpful, you know, readers may think it's helpful, but in the end, it, it's not going to be. Um, if they hear me saying it, it feels good, and then they get it, and they're like, wait, this doesn't feel good for me. Um so yeah try to avoid that and and find other ways to present that information with saddles in particular can the the review quote unquote really focuses more just on materials and construction and weight and you know sort of the fact based stuff and not necessarily the the feel of it
0: yeah and we can include information uh, because brands know that they know that it's not a one size fits all for saddles and so now like ergon has their way of making it easier for customers to measure and find the correct saddle. And WTB does as well with, you know, measuring your wrist and your sit bone width and all this. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think including that information so that consumers see that and say, Hey, that's a sweet looking saddle. Like maybe I'll like it. Would it fit me? Do they have a size that would fit me? Probably. But now you can find the exact size that you would need for that saddle.
1: Yeah, one final question that we don't answer um, that we addressed earlier is crash testing. We're not going to go out and, you know, purposely like fall off a bike and see if a helmet prevents us from getting a concussion. Um, And and that's, you know, that example in particular is really tough because a lot of the marketing material that we get with products, especially in the helmet world these days, are about, you know, oh, this, this helmet reduces concussions by 15% or whatever because it has some technology in it. And it's like we can say that, but we want to be really clear in saying this is what the brand says. You know, like we have no way of independently verifying whether this is true or not. Um, And we're not going to – we're not even going to try. We're not going to go out and bang our heads against stuff. Um, But it does happen, you know. And it's funny because with like pads and stuff too, I'm actually – like if I do crash while I'm wearing a, a set of pads that I'm testing, I'm like, oh sweet, like I, I did, have something to say about
2: it. But, <laughs> now I know, right? Rip
1: it off.
0: How's my knee look? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm
1: like yeah. I can't wait to take a picture of this. Um, but <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah, we don't we don't crash test, and we also don't do like destructive testing in general. Um, I think I probably have done it a few times, um, like taking something apart um, after I'm done testing it to to see you know, what's inside or, or what it's made of. But um, yeah, we don't do a lot of destructive testing. So uh, one of the things sort of related to all of this is press camps and product launches. And um, we get invited to these occasionally, uh, sometimes for a product before it launches. Um, other times it's, it's for a product that's out there, but um, brands, you know, want to give journalists an opportunity to like get to know a product better and and test it in the wild. So Matt, you've been to a lot of these. How does that work? How is that testing? I guess the the better question is how is that testing different than if, you know, somebody sends a bike to your house and and tells you to test it on your local trails?
0: I think the whole idea of them, um, and it's very smart on the brand's part is that, you know, um, maybe this is like a, a month, four or five, six weeks ahead of a product launch where a company will invite journalists and reviewers out to try a product uh, before they release it. And when the embargo date uh, or launch date is ready, the product is for sale on the brand's website, then they can also say, hey, Singletracks wrote it or whoever wrote it, and they're saying this about it. So now there's a new product out and there are reviews on it. Um, Most of the time, they're like first impressions reviews. So that, you know, because we go to these things, we're usually there for maybe two or three days, or maybe even one or two. And so we get a few rides, maybe on a new bike or a new product. And so it's like, oh, we can tell you, you know, how it feels so far. And then we'll have a more in-depth review following. But yeah, I mean, I think the basic idea is that When a product releases, there are reviews along with it so that consumers can feel a little bit more comfortable buying it if they're that interested.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that brings up a good point, too, that there are sort of different flavors of testing and review that we do. Um, And one of those is that sort of test ride review. And we'll generally on the website, we'll have that. Sort of tagged in the title, so we'll let you know. Like this was a test ride review or a first impression, or yes, yeah, sometimes it's an in for test. Um, but then if it if it is a true product review, we, we're going to call that out and we're going to say this is a review. Jerrod, do you? How do you use sort of those different uh, flavors of reviews, if you will? Um, how do you sort of separate out like is this a is this an actual review or is
2: this just like a first impressions kind of look? The first impressions, I usually don't write. It's really not a review. It's more just like, a, here's what this thing is. Here's all the facts that are kind of worth knowing about it. And here's some standout cool things. And maybe talk a little bit about setup. If it's a, if it's a bike, for example. And then for product launches, I would say one other cool thing about product launches maybe one of my favorite things about them press camps is, uh, we get a chance to often sit down with the engineers and like have a beer and talk about the whole process of creating this thing and what that was like and where they screwed up and where they realized to do things differently and why they did these little tiny things the way they did. Uh, an example of that is the Orbea Ocam. When I went to the press launch, we talked about why they put that supportive truss on one side of the frame and it was to balance the water bottle and also Essentially like they figured out they didn't need it on two sides and the other one would be in the way so It's it's kind of like a mix of reasoning But a cool thing happened at that press camp. We were all riding we went on a huge ride that with I don't know how many journalists like a lot of us maybe too many We rode all day. The ride was like seven (laughs) hours and we broke 12 derailleur hangers on that ride. Uh... And that ride proved to Orbea that they needed to redesign the derailleur hanger before the bike was released. So we, I mean, I think that's probably a rare instance. And most of the time those things are sorted out, but that was cool that we got to experience that and they were like, Oh, Hey, thanks guys. Now we're going to change this. And we're going to do this differently <laughs> so they came out with a totally different hanger before the before the release and no customers had to deal with it. So huh. yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean the on the one hand these these press trips are, you know, they're very well scripted and and it is a lot of marketing and it's designed to give reviewers the best possible experience. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we're aware of that. They're not, nobody's like fooling us. I mean, maybe the first couple that we went to, we were just like, so oh, mine's well, really good; it's awesome. They love us. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, we know, we know that, that that's what it's designed to do. Um, but there still is a lot of value in it in terms of, um, some of the other things like you mentioned, Jura, that you can pick up on by talking to the people who designed the bike, the marketers, you know, marketing gets a, a bad rap. Um, because we think of it as like just people trying to get us to buy things, but, you know, a big part of marketing is the product is, is deciding like, what is, what, what do people need? You know, like, what do people want? Uh, what, what will make this bike exciting or fun to ride or, you know, all of those things. And so it is, it is really interesting and helpful, uh, to get that perspective. And then within the review itself, you know, maybe it is less so about our impressions Um, and, and more so like telling the story of the product or, or that kind of thing. And so, yeah, again, there's lots of flavors of the reviews that we do and we try to distinguish between like, this is a, you know, full on review where, you know, we got the product, we tested it till we didn't have questions and and we wrote the review versus, um, other things. So hopefully that comes through when you're reading those on our site and on other, uh, publications. So do you guys ever test items that you don't review? So I'm guessing like, I don't know, pre-release products or, or things. I don't know. We it seems like we get emails all the time. People are asking us like, oh, will you check this thing out? Or, or things that you buy yourself. Do you guys ever test things and then don't end up reviewing them?
0: I think it's more rare. Like I try and review most everything that I get in, especially if it's a component or... Something that costs a little bit of money where I know people are going to be looking for reviews. You know, if the company is selling it, it's up on the Internet somewhere, you know, you know, people are going to be looking for reviews. Like I, I want to review it. Um, And on press camps and stuff before, like I've talked with people from other publications that are like, oh, well, you know, if it's bad, we just don't review it. I'm like, well, why? Like, you're not doing consumers any service at all. If the brand's still selling it, it's a crappy product. People are still paying money on it. Like, who's your? who are you serving? You're serving the brand. Like, you're just trying to help them out. You're not trying to help the public or the consumers out. So, I yeah, I mean, I have had, I think it's rare, and I think it's one of the things we get criticized for is, like, Oh, they only publish good reviews and da da but most of the time we just get products that are good, like that are overwhelmingly good. Um, but I think we've all published reviews that basically say, like, this product kind of sucks. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if anybody mm-hmm. wants a list of those, send me an email,
2: <laughs> be happy to share it. <laughs> They're not all positive,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, I I I'd never I try to avoid um and this is something I've learned I guess over the last few years is is just to not make promises when someone says hey I have a sample of this thing you want to do you want to try it out or do you want to review it and I'll I'll say sure I will test it um I don't like to promise that I will write a review or publish a review um and part of that is just being overwhelmed with <laughs> with a lot of gear and and thinking about our readers too right like um, we get a man, I get an email like once a month from a particular sock company, <laughs> mm-hmm. actually more than one of them, mm-hmm. There's a couple of sock companies, uh, <laughs> that I'm on their email list and they're like, Hey, we got new socks. You want to try them out? And it's like, do our readers want to read a sock review? Um, you know, and usually the answer in my head anyway is no, they don't. So I'm not going to take it. Or if I do take it, I'll say, uh, I will check it out and like maybe you know it'll show up in a picture of me doing a shoe review or something else like that but um, you know no promises and so again like I don't want us to be obligated where we're like oh well we promised them a review and you know we're going to write it regardless of whether anybody's going to read it or like if there's any value to it uh, to the readers so um, yeah I, I don't make promises and the other thing I was going to say too is we I think we've mentioned this before. We really try to avoid reviewing gear that we own. And for us, you know, for the Singletrack staff, like there's no shortage of stuff for us to review, you know, things that companies send us to test out and send back uh, or items that they send and just, you know, are like, hey, you know, hold on to it. But the things that we buy with our own money, it's actually a little trickier. You know, you would think as a reader, you think like, oh, well, they, you know, they bought it with their own money. So it must be like really good or, you know, I, I would want to know about that. But what we found is that all of us, you know, readers included, are very biased about the things that we own. Um And just the fact that you decided to buy it says a lot about um <laughs> sort of what you think about it before you even get it, you're saying like this is a good thing, and and you're going to be less critical. We nobody likes to admit that they were wrong, and so we tend to gloss over things like oh no yeah that's not a big deal you know I don't I don't really mind, yeah. um, but you know you're less inclined to do that if if you don't have any skin in the game, um, and that's not to say that we we don't talk about that stuff. I mean you know Matt has a couple of bikes uh, that you've purchased or frames, um, Jerome, yep. Matt, all of us or yeah, we've all done that. And so again, with those, like we try to make it clear, like this is not a review. Um, you know, this is, this is my bike. Um, you know, I will do a bike check. We'll say like, Hey, check out this bike. Like, this is why I set it up this way. Um, but we're not evaluating it. We're not saying like, this is, this is a great bike. Cause of course we're going to say right. it's a great bike. It's ours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's not helpful. Yeah. It's so.
0: like, uh, You know, when you see somebody on the trailer you're like, Oh, how do you like that that bike? And they're like, Oh, I love it. (laughs) Of course you do. (laughs) Right. Never
1: Yeah, never hear anybody (laughs) Right. Never hear anybody say, like, oh, it's terrible. Do you want it?
2: Totally. I think the only other time that I've not reviewed something is just I received something and it was the wrong time. Like it's out of season. Like I get a jacket in August and then I, you know, for whatever reason just don't get around to reviewing it once it is cool enough or rainy enough to use it. And that happens occasionally. That's more on me, but like, yeah, when things arrive totally out of season and just don't make sense that that can happen occasionally.
1: Yep. Yeah. That's probably the main reason that I stopped promising things because I would tell somebody, yeah, sure. I'll review it. And then it like ends up in a pile at the bottom of the pile. And by the time I get to it, yeah, it's out of season, out of date. So yeah, there's plenty of stuff like that. So finally, I want to end with kind of a, a big philosophical question. What, what gives our reviews authority? Like why should people trust a single tracks review over what, you know, their friend or neighbor or aunt or anybody says about a particular item. What's your thought on
2: that, Juro? I think there's a few things. One big thing is like, it's our job to do the research. And so we're putting in a ton of time looking into the sort of back end and how these things were put together. And then we have our own sort of, our own experiential comparative analysis. So I've ridden basically every Maxxis Schwalbe and, um, probably WTV tire and maybe every tire from a few other brands. And I have the notes and I have the written, um, reviews and experience from those things. And I can compare all of those things. So when somebody says like, this is an amazing, like super sticky tire for off camber wet roots and I go ride it and I'm like, well, it's not it is or isn't compared to all these other tires. So, you know, we kind of have that cat experiential catalog to base things off of that's, that I use every time I write a review really. Yeah.
1: Yeah. it's a good point. What about you, Matt? What do you, what do you think makes reviews like ours, uh, helpful or trustworthy?
0: Well, they're not sponsored. Um, and it, I know like a lot of. Uh, I'd say most publications don't really do, like, sponsored reviews. Um, at least, yeah, right, exactly. What we know of. And we get to try so many different things that I think, I think we all have brands that we end up liking more than others or we develop a preference for them. But at the same time, if... Drew's tested so many forks. It's not like when somebody wants to test him or send him a fork to test, he's not desperate for a new fork or excited that like, he's like, Oh, I get, you know, he's got a friggin' 20 other forks like in his, (laughs) his shed. So it's like, it's another test or, you know, for us when we get product and stuff like that, it's just another test. You know, we're not desperate for new bike parts and components and like, you know, I think the excitement, might've faded over time because I know when I started, like I was come home from the grocery store and there's like new wheel boxes and stuff. And I'm like, Oh, Holy cow. This is, I've never had this happen before. And, but eventually that fades over time and then it just becomes other bike product to test. Um, and so, yeah, in the end we might have preferences for stuff that we end up liking over other things, but then that's usually noted in the review for a qualified reason. Um, because it does something better than another product, and um, yeah, I think we get to know yeah you know, we just get a get a, a better understanding of mountain bike products as a whole and can write about it a little bit more objectively yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I think another
2: element is that um, you know I, I think of this especially around wheels, um, we can break them like we didn't pay for them. We're not getting paid to ride them. We don't really care about them. Like, you know, it's that, that that's maybe a stretch. Like I don't want to walk home, but like I have broken wheels because I was testing them and they failed and I did have to walk home. And I was kind of glad I was like, all right, well, I know. And now I can let people know, you know, this is not where to throw your thousand bucks. Like, you know, you got to look somewhere else. So, our ability to just kind of like really push the limit on things where I can say for sure if I paid two grand for a set of carbon wheels I might not ride them the same way yeah right
1: <laughs> right. right yeah you're really gonna take care of them yeah I, I think one of the differences too is that we have access to a lot of the people that are behind these products uh, engineers and designers and and we can ask them questions uh, that maybe you know, would be a little harder for your, your regular person to do. Um, not to say that, that brands are not accessible, but, um, you know, yeah, we're saving, we're saving people some time by doing some of that research, like Jerome mentioned. And one of the things that I'm seeing these days is people turning to like forums and, and Facebook groups in particular. Yeah. We've been seeing this with, there's, uh, I don't know if people are members of these, but there, there are a lot of these Facebook groups. Like there's one for women mountain bikers where a lot of people come and ask for product recommendations and you will almost always get a reply. You go on there and say, what's a good shoe? And, you know, somebody will say five tens and, yeah. and that's it. And then I, I assume that person right. goes out and buys five tens, um, which, you know, that's great if if you're confident that, that that's a good source of information But I I don't think it takes the place of uh, one and and, uh, more, I don't want to call us experts at all, um, but just a more informed uh, review and test of something, again, just based on the experience we've had with other products and the questions we've asked. Um, But also, I think, you know, outside of that. So even if you're not going to read our reviews, I would I would tell people, like, don't take advice from random people on the internet, you know, maybe that's the, that's the public service announcement of the day. Ask your friend, you know, ask people that you ride with, ask somebody, I was going to say at the trailhead, but, but the point is somebody that, you know, a bit of their backstory and like how they ride and where they ride and, you know, all of those kinds of things before you take their opinion, um, seriously right so you know somebody on the internet you don't know you don't know if they ride hard or if they're a beginner or if they're you know really experienced or they live somewhere where it snows all the time and so of course those shoes work well there but you live in Florida and so with our product reviews too you know hopefully over time if, if you're someone who reads a publication like Single Tracks regularly um, you get to know our reviewers and their style and you know, you can see a history. You can go back and see, like, what other tires did row review, and and let me read up on those and and see how this compares, whereas you don't get that from your your friend or certainly not a random person on the internet. Well, okay, on that note, uh, we'll end it here, but Of course, you can always keep track of the latest reviews that we post on Single Tracks, And honestly, I think we're getting better at it every time we do it. Uh, Hopefully, you agree as well. And we'd love to hear your feedback. Tell us the things that you'd like to see in reviews, the things that you wish that we would do or that you wonder why we don't do. Let us know. Email us, info at singletracks.com, and we'll try to get you a reply. That's all I've got this week. We'll talk to you again next week. Peace.